0: So welcome to the first Limerick Post podcast. It's a we are Limerick. We're looking at the people who make Limerick such an amazing place. Oh. And for our first guest, we have Richard Lynch from I Love Limerick, celebrating ten years. Woohoo! <laughs> so exciting. So uh, Richard, who is Richard Lynch? Oh God, I love Richard Lynch. <laughs> if you find out, can you tell me? Um, a person who loves their family. Um, who loves their close friends who loves their city um, who loves their community um, who loves having fun who loves dancing who adores his nieces and nephews um, and his husband and just wants to be happy and have a happy life and be loved and acknowledged like everybody else really And It wasn't always Limerick so you were in New York for a bit I was in New York I was in New York for 16 years um, and New York was an amazing, amazing experience. I I went there really. um, God, I'll give you the juice. I got a marketing degree in LIT and I went for my very, very first job interview and it was just me and a guy alone in the room and he was interviewing me and he just said over the table, he said, you're nothing but a dirty steamer. And I was just looking at him, and I would look like straight in his face and I said, I'm going to New York. It was always this thing, I always wanted to go to New York. I was in Aoife Nakana's house and when I was 16, smoking hash and drinking Buckfast. And she had a Robin S poster on the wall. And Robin S playing at this club in New York. And I said to myself, I'm going to go to that club. And I did. I went to that club a lot, actually. So that's how I ended up in New York. And New York was amazing. It was the bomb. Um, I loved every minute of it. But... Now I'm back in Limerick, I would never live anywhere else. So what did New York teach you about you? About me? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, it was a struggle. In my 20s, I was in a very dark place, I think. I was just parting all the time and um, going around in circles. I was kind of finding myself and finding my way through my sexuality. I'd had this torturous childhood where I was constantly beat up and kids in the street used to call me Sheila. That was my nickname and they used to torture me and I was just kind of carrying remnants of that. When I should have been celebrating love and life in New York, I was finding myself and I was going around in circles. So my 20s were a little bit all over the place. Um, But when I finally got into my groove and went to acting school at the beginning of my 30s, I really started enjoying New York in a very different ways because I started seeing it through creative eyes and I started saying, oh my God, I am a creative person. I would never want to see myself creative in any way. I always wanted to see myself as had been hurt in some way or being a victim. You know, like people get on a boat across a river and then they get to the other side of the river and they decide they want to stay on a boat, the boat because being a victim makes them more special. I got off of the boat and then I started celebrating life and then New York came to life. And I remember living in Limerick because I was tall, skinny and gay and everyone would always be noticing me. When I went to New York, I expected everyone to notice me there too and nobody noticed me. Because I wasn't the most beautiful, and I wasn't the most talented, and I wasn't, like, I was just another flea, I'm a dog. So I had to find out who I was and not, and I didn't want to find myself by being gay either. I know I'm the biggest gay in the village or whatever, but I wanted to find out who Richard was and I'm still finding out who Richard was, so. I haven't figured it out yet, if I can find out, I'll let you know. Are some better times now? You recently got married. I did recently got married. I'm in a relationship with this amazing man. I can't believe it's almost seven years and he is the most amazing human being. He just completely chills me out. If I'm ever in a dark space or I'm depressed or I'm sad or fearful, he's just always there smiling and laughing and looking to make love constantly. So it's great, it keeps me happy and it keeps me smiling and he takes great care of me. And we have a great time together. So uh, you're celebrating 10 years with I Love Limerick now, so lots happened. in 10 years, 10 years of I Love Limerick. And can I pre- preface and say there would be no I Love Limerick if it wasn't for my parents, Florence and Eric Lynch. I love them so much. That's why I moved home, was to take care of them. And... Um, Why I kept on doing I Love Limerick was because my parents celebrated so much and they were so incredibly proud of their city. And when I got home from New York, I believed the same negative stereotypes that other people believed about Limerick because I had been reading about it from afar. And it wasn't until I got back here that I realized that it was so jam-packed with all these talented, creative people. And I organized Limerick Pride in 2008 and turned it into a week-long festival and called it Isle of limerick because i wanted it to be integrative and inclusive and when i when limerick pride was over i took the isle of limerick.com and i was working at the time with this amazing woman named Miriam garcia mortel who did so much work on Isle of limerick in the beginning and really i had been doing public access television in new york for years but she had a lot of contacts here because she'd been working in kina scully so she helped me and we put some videos together to proliferate the the internet with positive videos of Limerick. Because when you Google Limerick, all that came up was videos of Stab City and all that shite. Miriam is also a very proud Limerick person. And um, so that's how I Love Limerick kind of started getting its legs. And then it just developed, developed into what it is today. And what are the highs and lows of the last 10 years of Limerick? The highs and the lows, I think definitely the lows would have been um, falling out with people over I Love Limerick. In the beginning I wasn't really taking ownership of it and I was trying to make it very community orientated and I was letting other people have a say in everything about what initially was my vision. I mean I created I com, and that created a lot of problems and a lot of conflicted relationships which made me very sad and very stressed. So I guess they would be the only lows that I experienced It was you know falling out with people feeling let down by people all that kind of stuff and people are people I mean I don't have anything against anyone or a problem with anybody um, and I just had to find my own legs and start taking ownership for what I was trying to create and once I did that and I think I proved to myself because I stuck at it voluntarily for 10 years and that was the high, in seeing it through and actually seeing what I was doing have tangible results like you know like writing a story before anyone else wrote a story about something very small maybe it was about a person with the life living illness or they were sick with a rare form of cancer and then seeing that story raise thousands of euros and then seeing the national media pick up the story or stuff like that or just working with people working with community groups or working with St. Munch's Community Center Linda Ledger who's amazing or working with Cleanest Foundation um, that raise money for kids for life-living illness and sticking with them and just seeing everything through. That's the I. The I are the people. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, speaking of people, you got to interview a lot of well-known oh people. God. Is there anyone that stands out the most? Oh my god, I was so honoured that um, the Knight of Glynn, he was the last living Knight of Glynn, and he invited me out and wanted me to do an interview with him, his last interview, which was unbelievable and he had Parkinson's and throat cancer and that was really special because it was I felt like it he taught me so much it was a piece of history he was very much involved in the Limerick Civic Trust and he was really super interesting um and you would think that I would say you know people like oh Michelle Passage from RuPaul's Drag Race or that that was those were interesting but the real interesting people to me are people that are not known at all that nobody knows like like being contacted by St Munch's Community Centre 10 years ago and say come up here Linda Ledger Stuff. I want you to make a video about this and then go up making a video and then seeing this video going to someone like J.P. McManus who sees the video and you know funds the centre or something that, like stuff like that that's like oh my god did that just happen? Or you know just that that kind of stuff you know like, like meeting people or like going when the floods were in um um, the eye, you know, St. St. Mary's. St. Mary's, and going down there and seeing just the resilience of these people and everyone gathered together helping one another. And people actually, you saying, me, it was lashing rain, and I'm going down saying, Oh my god, like I don't want to be invasive, you know, because it was just me with my handheld camera. And people came say saying, love, Richard, come in here, I want to show you this. And everyone invited me into their homes and hugging and kissing me. and do you know it's like wow like you know that's the kind of eye. you know it's yeah. the people I love Limerick so much because I love the banter you know hey babes how are you babes you know <laughs> I'm not able for her I'm weak you know all that I love that's that's what gets me my fire burning do you know what I yeah. so you mentioned uh, Limerick's negativity in coverage in the media when you came back it was a nightmare but um, it's changed a lot since It has changed a lot since. I think Limerick has always been the underdog and that's what makes us so resilient and the people so powerful. And the people were believing all that negative media because it was, was, Limerick was believing it because it was been constantly fed to them. And I think all that's changed and a corner has been turned and people, Limerick people are not putting up with that shit anymore and rightly so because we, of course we had crime and of course we had problems and of course we had issues. But every city in Ireland does. Every city in the world does. And I just felt like I remember one time hearing a story ten years ago about a bus of Finnish tourists that by that bypassed the city, and that kind of it was costing Limerick money, and so families were suffering, Limerick was suffering, and it had to come to an end. And that whole fabrication of Stab City was so completely unfounded. I mean, there was any you could pick Cork, Galway, Dublin were just as bad at the time. Um, and now it has turned a corner and people are so proud of Limerick, which is absolutely not down to me or I love Limerick. It's down to everybody. The communities, people like Laura Ryan and City Council who's unbelievable at her job, people in the community centres, people in the charities, everybody. Um has kind of grouped together and to make a concerted effort and long may it last. Yeah. So physically it's changed as well, I'd imagine, since you were in New York. It has, I remember, I mean, I remember going around Limerick in the 80s with my line of body pop and dance, and there was nowhere to go. I remember the Crescent Shopping Centre was literally a prefab. We had no place to go, we had nothing to do. Um, and everything has just kind of built up and become so urbanised, it's crazy. You know, like when I came back from New York, I was like, what, what's this road? Like I'm still, uh, my, my, my bestie, Claire, you know, we're in her car and I'm going, what's this road? Where are we now, what are we doing? Because like, I don't drive, can you believe that? Um, the first time I had a driving lesson, I oh, almost crashed the car into the front of Bobby Burns at the driving instructor on in the car. I was only 16, so ever since then, like, I roll-blade around New York for 16 years without an accident. And, um, yes, I don't drive. But when we drive around Limerick, I go, wow, it has become... So built up and it's just amazing, you know? It's so great to see. And not only built up, who cares about the infrastructure? Let's talk about the culture. Let's talk about the multiculturalism. Let's talk about people from all over the world living in Limerick and bringing a piece of themselves to our culture. It's just so amazing, I love that. That's That's my favorite thing of all after living in New York for so long. I'm totally about multiculturalism and people being together and being happy together. So 10 years have gone, what what do you think will happen in the next 10 years with Limerick and I Love Limerick? What will happen in the next 10 years with Limerick anyway is definitely the resurgence will continue because I think that mentally people have reached this point now that they're embracing it and they want it and they're working hard towards it and so I'm hoping that's that's what's going to happen with Limerick and what I don't want to happen with Limerick is a whole load of buildings being built and then for, for offices and stuff and they're all going to be empty and blah blah blah, that's what I don't want to happen but I'm hoping people have control over all of that. Um, I'm hoping, you know, that the only way is up for all of us, that's what I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping that we fill all these office buildings and I mean there's a definite shortage of housing all over Ireland right now and I would like to see everyone happy and warm in Limerick is something that's really bothering me you now is homelessness. Um, and in terms of I don't know if I answered your question I think I did Mm. and in terms of I Love Limerick um, I would like to continue doing it I'm always going to do it Um, it is tough because it's voluntary and it's not funded funded I mean there have been donations in kind but we've worked for them for everything that we have I've never just taken something from nothing I'm always prepared to work for it I don't take handouts, I've never ask for handouts, and if someone does give me some sort of handout, I work for it, like basically I earn it. Um, But I'd like to see a more sustainable model develop for Isle of Limerick. As you know, it's a training facility, I mean, we rotate, I'm just taking on another seven UL students, I train them, it's a lot of work, and they leave after six to eight months, and then the next one's come in, and it moves on and on and on and not just the UL students we have volunteers with us 10 years like Dolph Patang and people like Jonathan Baines and even people like yourself you um, that have stuck with us thank God and um, you know I got sick there for a while unfortunately and um, things were a little bit wobbly for about a year Um, but I think I'm back to health now and I would like to do some great things next year um, things were like uh, for a year and a half trying to maintain it all and earn a living like I was um, you know since my parents died um, long rest in peace long way I love you amazing people um, I have a PR company now com. for any of you out mm-hmm. there that need PR services it's right here com. full service and I've been making a bit of a living doing that thank God and maintaining I Love Limerick so it's just to, to do it all together it can be tough sometimes but I am moving towards a more sustainable model I only placed our first advert ever on the website when I got ill um, because I was like okay we have to pay the internet we have to pay it. you know like blah 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 um, but now I, I just feel I'm getting my head around it and I'm, I'm it's not that I'm going to turn it into a business because I don't want it to be a, a business as per se but I'd like it to be sustainable do you know that kind of mm-hmm. way? So I'm, I'm working on that. So uh, you mentioned your parents there again. Mm. Uh, what what role did they play in the person you are today? Oh my God, Jesus, they played every, I mean, well, I am, um, my parents were Florence and Eric and I am Florence. All out. I am my mother. I mean, like, it's shocking. I remember my parents had a pub for 42 years, and every Wednesday and Sunday, my mother would go. Uh, she'd go to the local cash and carry, and she'd buy spot prizes and sell tickets, and she'd be in the paper constantly donate money to St. Gabriel's. Um, and it was very much into charity and community. And then when she got Parkinson's disease, she raised tens of thousands for Parkinson's. And, oh, she was just... I mean, she, she she was amazing, and she was always helping people, helping people, everyone. She helped everybody, anyone that came to her. Like I'm not exaggerating. People walk up to me in the street and they go, "Oh my God, your mother did this to me," and it brings me to tears. I'm like, "Oh my God," a story that I don't even know. Strangers approaching me. My parents were loving, giving people. Like they raised all of us and imbued us with a sense of givingness. I'm not good at taking things. I'm like, I have no problem. ...getting things for other people... ...but I've... ...I'm shit at asking them for myself... ...do you know that kind of way? But that's what they taught me... ...they... ...they taught me to... ...love people... ...and be kind to people... ...you know? And I never ever ever... ...have a problem with people... ...unless they come for me... ...because bitch don't come for me... ...unless I call for you... ...because if you do come for me... ...like the Scorpio... ...I do have a sting in my tail... ...but... ...it takes a lot to draw me out ...it would take someone to really hurt me... ...before... ...I would hurt them back... ...and even now when people hurt me, I rise above it because that's true personal power, not being baited by energy vampires. They're always going to be out there. So I've had some traumatic experience in the last few years, especially after my mother's death, actually. Um, Someone really hurt me. And now I just kind of try to step back from all of that and I just try to be the best version of me I can be. And the best advice I would give to anyone is avoid people like the plague that are toxic. And I just, sometimes you even love toxic people, but you just have to let them go. Even no matter how much you love them and just surround yourself with people that you care about and you love so i my circle is very very small I don't like I'm very cordial and loving to everyone i I try I meet as I said I don't have an issue with anyone but the people who I spend my time with they're few like that I spend my real time with you know it's like my my husband um and and and, and certain friends. Like I would spend all my time with Claire. I would like be with her morning and night. When John was alive, I, John McNamara, God rest you, so I would spend all my time with him. Um, so I'm a very one-on-one person behind it all. Do you know what I mean? It's like odd, oh, like, even though I'm very personable and out there and people think I have big balls and I'm like full of confidence behind it all, I'm kind of like an extroverted introvert. I think that comes from being really bullied and, and abused as a child and always been picked on, you know, kicked in the balls and called a faggot and all given wedgies and all that straight. Yeah, it's taken me into my forties to feel comfortable with who I am. Do you know that kind of way? I don't remember it, ten years. What do you think people think about? I don't remember what it does for the community. Well, what do I think people think? I'll be honest with you. I don't do it like like. Uh, Money doesn't motivate me. When I was four years of age, I flushed my father, St. Patrick's Day, taking down the toilet. He never forgave me on his deathbed with dementia. He was like, you flushed my money down the toilet. We were all roaring, laughing. He was a howl, and I loved him. I don't care about money. It doesn't motivate me. What motivates, has always motivated me, is people and acknowledgement. But I don't, I just follow my own heart right now, and I don't think about what people think. I follow about what's integral to me And my integrity And I try to keep my intention pure And try to keep my ego at bay Because you know Because I was in the paper and everything all the time People think I'm You know in the beginning I was out my own arse And I was just tuned it all for ego reasons But I think I proved them wrong um, You know I don't give a shit about being in the paper If I'm in the paper It's because I'm working on something Or I'm actually achieving something So I've learned to own that And I don't really care What like. To answer your question, of course I care about people, but I'm not doing it anymore to please people. Um, it's not really about that. It's not about what people think. It's about what's achievable and about a goal and about achieving a goal. I'll explain to you this way. What I really think people think is when I go out and I put my energy purposely into helping someone and I see it as tangible results. Like recently, we this unbelievable, beautiful human being. I read online this lady was ill with cancer. So I went and I tracked her down and said, listen, I will do a story if you're doing a fundraiser. So I went and I did a story. I didn't know the lady. And I went and did a story and the story went viral and then it went in all the newspapers and it was everywhere, which was really amazing. And then one day the phone rang and it was that lady on the phone and she said, I fucking love you. And I was like, oh my God, I started bawling. I think I told you about this. That's what's important to me, is seeing, like, we all have the power to help people if we want to. We can either be really mean or really loving, and I just want to choose to be really loving, and I don't like people take me out of my character and making me something I'm not, and then saying, ah, I told you so, Richard Lynch is a gal. No, I'm not a gal. So, that's what I care about. They're the people I care about who think something, is those people that, I went out to help and they know that my heart was pure and I helped them. I care what they think. I don't care what the haters think or I don't care what the energy vampires think. I really don't because I've been around the block now. It's not my first time at the rodeo and losing my parents and losing my friend and going through all of that, I've developed a thicker skin. Are you with me? Yes. So I'm more about staying on my goals, staying focused, staying pure, doing the work. The work speaks for itself. Don't you think? For the people who do care, where where can they catch up with Richard Lynch? Is up to? <laughs> <they catch> up. <laughs> On Ilovelimrit or they can look at my if they wanted me to hire me as a publicist. Another you know <laughs> But This bitch needs money. It's richardknows.com. Um, but they can see me anywhere. They can see me all around the town. They can see me wherever they want. You know, because I'm there. Like I don't go out. I don't know. People know that probably don't notice that. I don't go out. I don't drink. I don't. I don't party or drink or do anything like that anymore. Um, stopped drinking 16 years ago, stopped smoking weed seven years ago, um, completely clean and sober, thank you God, and I will always be this way. So I do go out and I do love a good dance, but I don't go out, 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 unless I'm working or it's a charity or whatever. But I I see people around the town all the time and people are unbelievably kind to me and unbelievably loving to me wherever I go. and. It just is the most amazing feeling in the entire world. That's that's what that's what I love. I love the people of Limerick. I love the banter. And um, I'm always going to love Limerick. Nothing is ever going to change that. I won't allow anything to change that. I wanted Limerick to be given a platform to shine. And I was going to do, people are all saying, you're so stupid, you're so stupid. Why are you doing all this shit for nothing? I did all that stuff for nothing because there were certain people like Miles Breen, who we build and maintain his website, Emma Langford, Angie Smollett the Dancer, Celia Almond-Lee, and more. We built all their websites for nothing people and I love Limerick and we maintain them and their press sections because these are people that are vital to the image of Limerick and I wanted to give them that platform and I did. It's all about sprinkling fairy dust wherever you go and everyone can do it. Look, I'm doing it right now. And you've been sprinkling it for 10 years (laughs) and for another 10 years. Thanks very much, Richard. Love you. Love you, Limerick. Thank you so much for having me. Mwah, mwah, mwah.